Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My guest today is Nathan. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello and thanks for having me back. Today's topic, Tank Girl, the 1995 cult classic based on the British post-apocalyptic comic series of the same name, created by Jamie Hewlett and written by Alan Martin, that was originally published in Deadline magazine. The film stars Laurie Petty, Naomi Watts, Ice-T and Malcolm McDowell. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. This is a film I do remember seeing back in the 90s, just bits and pieces when it was on TV. It wasn't until much later, I got a copy on DVD, watched it start to finish. This is an odd movie. It's mm. a really strange... To say the least. Really strange movie. Are you familiar with the comics, or is it just the film? Um, in name only. Uh, Tank, the Tank Girl comics are something I've always wanted to read, and I just never got around to, um, to getting my hands on one and giving it a good read. Um, so the movie, like when it came out... I remember seeing it advertised in, in in comics that I was reading, and I remember going, "Oh, that's based on a comic. I know that. I've I've got to watch it, or I've I've got actually at least got to read the comic first and then watch it." So it's something that's always eluded me. Yeah, for me, it was just seeing the artwork, and she had the bombs wearing bombs as a bra. That was yeah, that was like a famous image, wasn't it? Of yeah, it was Girl. iconic. I mean, I, I always thought it was like 2000 AD or something to do with that. But doing that's prep for this, too. it's, I yeah. mean, maybe she appeared later on, but it, it was definitely, um, you know, published in Deadline magazine. So completely. Yeah, and I had no idea. Like, you're right. I always thought it was 2000 AD as well. After reading an issue of the Tank Girl comic, she had received as a gift. Director Rachel Talule obtained permission from Deadline's producer Tom Astor to direct a film adaption. She selected Catherine Hardwick, who would later go on to direct at least the first Twilight film. I don't know if she stuck around. Well, she was brought on as the production designer, worked closely with Martin Hewlett during the making of the film. So they had a little thing going it started as a faithful adaption i mean it all went very very wrong but it started with the best intentions the film's critically praised soundtrack was assembled by courtney love and the rippers makeup and prosthetics team were headed by stan winston winston's uh, studio wanted to work on the project so much that they cut their usual prices in half to meet the film's budget courtney love cool. I think they were even looking at her to play one of the characters, maybe Jet Girl, but they had her in mind for one of the characters, but reasons she could no longer be in the film, but she stayed on in a music capacity instead. Financially unsuccessful, Tank Girl recouped only about $6 million of its $25 million budget at the box office, received... Wow. Mixed reviews from critics. Martin and Hewlett have since spoken negatively about their experiences creating the film. Talule blamed some of the film's negative reception on studio edits over which she had no control. Despite the box office failure of the film, it has been cited as an example of a comic book film with a cult following, and it is noted for its feminist themes. You know, 
when the film was done, it was unfinished. Mm. They were looking at the film and there were action set pieces missing. Now, wow. I, I took it as a creative choice. And I guess it was, but because it was a necessity. You know, when it, mm. it moves from live action to animation, and the animation does look just like the comic, and you get the bomb bra, yeah. you get all of that. Well, yeah. it wasn't supposed to be animated. They had no, it was to, supposed to be live action. They had to animate scenes that were missing from the finished film. That's what it feels like. It's funny that you say That's that. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, because the, the animation feels like such a cop-out. Like, as cool as it is, and as much as I love the animation aspect of it, there are times where, like, that final fight, which he has with Malcolm McDowell's villain, um, as well as probably a few other passages, sequences, where you just go, man, this feels like they just couldn't be bothered um, filming those scenes, and they just spliced in some animation. It's not that they couldn't be bothered. They ran out of money. <laughs> they ran out of money. <laughs> they couldn't yeah, do it. Studio go. interference. It is unfortunate because, again, like, you had this creative bubble to begin with, yeah. director, production designer, the co-creators of the character all working together and then studio interference and it just it became it became a different thing. I mean every film's an investment. Maybe the studio got nervous and yeah intervened. How did they run out of money, you know? And it it just yeah. It just it feels so hodgepodge. Like it's so so slapdash, you know? But at the same time, it does feel it's a bit grunge, 90s, tank girl. It, so when yeah. it, most films just cutting from live action to animation, but, oh, this is a bit weird. Where it just it it did feel a bit intentional. So it wasn't until doing prep for this one. Oh, okay, okay. Mm. So it wasn't you're just right. like a stylistic flair. It's because oh, right. that would have been a chunk of the movie just missing. I I think that's something that's endearing about the film, and that's why it does have a cult following. Um, is that it, you, you're totally right? It does have a grungy independent indie kind of indie comics, indie punk rock, or you know, like uh, alternative rock kind of and feel to it. it. it does that's what they're going for. It does fit. I mean, the plot for the film said, you know, it's based on a British cult comic strip. The main protagonist, Tank Girl, an anti heroin fights against a mega corporation which controls the world's water supply. Do you know what year this is set? I mean, this came out in the 90s. So it came out in, oh, what year was it? It came out in 1995. Mm. The setting for the film, so we just know it's a future setting. It actually takes place in 2033, 10 years' time. Wow. wow. <laughs> and they reckon the world's going to be that how, post-apocalyptic. That's, well, how far, track. that's how far <laughs> away it is. Um, yeah. Director Rachel Talule, looking at her credits as director, she worked on Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare in 1991. She was also uh, one of the writers on that film as well. And she's done various other things, producer, writer, over mm. over the years. So that's just something that just jumped out of me, something I have seen. Mm. As Tank Girl, Laurie Petty. She looks the part, doesn't she? she yeah, absolutely she does. She does. She's Absolute got the trademark part. shaved head with like, long bangs, long fringe. And that's it. And they did cast somebody before her who refused to shave her head. So Laura yeah. Petty worked out for her. And yeah, she brings a lot of manic energy to the part. And we do get lots of cut scenes, and, you know, like not just cutting in and out of live action and animation, but mm. just sort of like just quick edits of her 
And yeah, she she sells it really well. But I didn't realize she does like Tank Tank Girl. I didn't realize until doing prep for this that I grew up watching Free Willy. I think it came out in 93, so a couple of years before Tank Girl. Mm. And over the years, I've watched it. Most recently, last year, I sat down with my youngest and rewatched the first Free Willy film. Never mm. at any point did I notice Laurie Petty is in that movie as one of the go. as one of the trainers at the aquarium. It's kind of like off point, but um, I feel like visually, uh, in Tank Girl's wake, a lot of other um, a lot of other pop culture places have have referenced her or have sort of. Um, used her as inspiration like if you remember dc comics did a storyline called old lady harley and she looks a bit like tank girl she shaves her head right down and she except for some of the fringes hanging loosely at the front <laughs> I, re- and that yeah, I remember of, that yeah i mean you say kind of, kind of, yeah you say kind of a little just like tank girl <laughs> i would go as far yeah. as saying but yeah old, yeah old woman harley yeah she did like she looked like she did and and i feel like pop culture sort of likes to do that it, it likes to reference things that it, that it, Always homage to or pays lip service to. Yeah. I mean, this movie, it definitely, it, it's a moment in time, isn't it? Like, they wouldn't make this film today, but ha- no. how they made it then, the cast, you know, Stan Winston right place, the right being time. involved with the animatronics, you know, there's, and this is Stan Winston, who two years earlier worked on Jurassic Park with Steven Spielberg. Yes. Like, Which is incredible. He goes from Hollywood blockbuster to this small indie punk rock kind of thing. Yeah, and as the big bad, you've mentioned him already, Malcolm McDowell. McDowell, who and was he, in everything. Yeah, but he's spoken favorably of his experience working on this film, saying it had wow. the same flavor as A Clockwork Orange that he did back in 71 and praised yeah. uh, Talule and Petty for, wow. for development. Yeah. Yeah, he's he was in a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of director home release and stuff like that. And but he's a very familiar face in a lot of nineties uh, and probably even early two thousands stuff. Yeah, and for me, I'll always remember him for Star Trek Generations. He's in that. Mm. He wants to get back to the Nexus. <laughs> That's his yeah. character's whole motivation in that. Uh, Naomi Watts as Jet Girl. She, I think this was her first film, or at least first, you know, big like you know, big movie. And yep. she's since come out saying how embarrassed she is of, wow. of this film. So I think she's distanced herself in, in recent years. Although she really wanted this film because apparently she did audition nine times. So she well, wanted it back the time, then. She but, was probably keen, pretty keen. But, you know, years later, she's uh, maybe not <laughs> looked back on it as favorably as Malcolm McDowell does. We should probably also mention Ice-T is in this film. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. As one of the, the rippers. Um, yep. The yeah, you know, he, he said, you know, wearing the outfit was like wearing a couch, but he never once complained. And when asked mm. why he didn't complain, it sounds pretty uncomfortable. He just said, better than prison. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But they, they did a thing. Didn't they? So they they're like what kangaroo human hybrid, but what they mm. what they were doing what with the with the look of the the rippers, they wanted mm. as much facial expression coming through from the actors as possible. So so that's yeah, so. that's how they designed. So you do get to see. I mean, 
you wouldn't know it was Ice T if, if you weren't told. To be fair, but knowing no. that it's him and you know the different actors, you know behind the they can express mask. themselves through all the prosthetics. That's it, and you know all the makeup took about four hours to apply. Three technicians wow. from Stan Winston Studio were required to work on each Ripper's articulations during filming. No puppets or digital effects were used for the uh, for the Rippers. So there you go. Wow. So it's all done in in the moment. Mm. In the comics, the Rippers are considerably more kangaroo-like. However. Talule wanted real actors rather than stuntmen in the suits playing the roles. And that's yeah. going back to just um, making them more human, allowing them to have actual facial expressions, mm. which I do think, I do think benefits it, <laughs> you know, tonally. So what we get in the movie and I've not read a tank girl comic, but from what I've read doing prep for this, mm. As crazy as this film is at times, it is a lot tamer than what the comics were. And they were looking at including something in this movie and MGM insisted on cutting a scene of Tank Girl and her kangaroo boyfriend, Booger, reclining Mm. after sex, despite spending $5,000 on a prosthetic penis for Booger. (laughs) So well, the movie doesn't go there, but they were <laughs> until, yeah. until MGM insisted they didn't go there because like, no, we don't, we don't need to see, we don't need to see that. We're not going to put that in the movie. We get from the film that they mm. have it's a implied. romantic relationship. Yeah. But I it's think implied. Yeah. showing Booger's penis more than implies, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's so, not going to really, not going to really put uh, that didn't happen. Um, no. with, with the costumes, that more specifically Tank Girl, also known as Rebecca, she wears 18 different outfits and hairstyles throughout the film. Wow. So there you go. That's more than a character normally would in, in, in a movie. But again, it just it speaks to the character. You know, again, the film's very just stylized very manic. and manic and all of that. Roll uh, into one, yeah. I think it's worth noting too that um, the animation style uh, for the for the uninitiated is very reminiscent of uh, the Gorillas film clips for the Gorillas band, fictional band Gorillas from the early two thousands, and uh, that's for a good reason because one of the artists who does the comic, also, I think it's Howard, also serves as the artist for Gorillas. That is very cool. Didn't know that, but I can absolutely mm. see. Yeah, Gorillas, Damon Albarn. I mean, Blur are back. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> As of this year, Blur are back together. But in between... That's pretty cool. Blur, That's pretty back. awesome. But that fits perfectly with Tank Girl. I mean, that comes from that 90s grungy alternative music scene. It, it fits that, that vibe, that zeitgeist. So it, it makes complete sense that the artist would work uh, on animation for a band yeah. like... Gorillas slash blur. Oh, that is that is very cool. And that's it as well. Like, you know, they did it out of necessity, had part of this film animated, but the animation is fantastic. It really yes, yeah. is. It, it serves a purpose. Brilliant. Yeah, but it's so cool. And you know, to the point the page, where like the you screen. Could, yeah, to the point where you could do a whole movie like that. You like you don't necessarily need to take the tech tank your live action. You could do it completely animated like that and it would it would work. 
Hey, maybe down the track. I mean, we've only had this movie in 95. There's been comics since, but nothing else. Maybe get Laurie Pettyback do a animated movie in the style yeah, like, of these scenes. I think there's clearly a love for it um, in, in pop culture and in society somewhere because there's a lot of creatives out there, be they musicians or artists, who cite this film and, and the comics uh, as, a, as an, a direct inspiration. So there's clearly love for it there. Absolutely. I mean, I... You know, I had a had a girlfriend in college, and she loved Tank Girl. Like, you know, like, yeah, so he's, yeah, th- th- there is. There's a there's a big fan base for for there this is character. A huge readership. A good friend of mine in the states loves reading Tank Girl as well. Rock songs, punk songs. There's so many good songs in this movie, but there's also Absolutely. a score by Graham Revel. He first came to my attention with Daredevil. In yes, 2003, that's where I first saw his name. But over same. the years, I mean, he he has been busy. Some of his best-known film scores include The Crow in 94, same year nice. Street Fighter, Jean-Claude Van Damme, yep. and Kyle <laughs> yeah. Minogue. This film has an Australian connection, Naomi Watts, and so does yep. Street Fighter. In there 95, he did Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. ninety-six. Wow. Man, he was busy in the 90s. 96, he did From Dust Till Dawn. Love that film. Also in 96, he did The Craft, The Saint in 97, The Negotiator in 98. Also in 98, he did Bride of Chucky. 2000, he did Titan AE. 2001, Tomb Raider, Daredevil in 03. Freddy vs. Jason, also 03. And 05, he did Sin City. And he's continued to work. Wow, that is... That is impressive. You know, with the bands that they had in the film, this is this made me chuckle when I was doing prep. One band yeah. the filmmakers wanted for the soundtrack was little-known act named Green Day. During hey. production, they got so big that they could no longer afford them. Afford them. So they are weird soundtrack. That would have worked too, because it does have that kind of 90s pop punk grunge kind of vibe going on skate absolutely but another name i think would have totally been in keeping with this is rob zombie i would have loved to have heard rob Rob zombie songs on this because he feels like he fits that post-apocalyptic world yeah no i agree like completely but just going back to green day though it's just interesting that as this movie was being made in the early to mid 90s Mm. green day happened big time (laughs) It's like yeah, oh you know, yeah, they, they exploded. You know, they were they were finding success as this movie was their, coming together. Their nineties album Dookie, uh Trivia Fat here, lived in my Walkman when I was like thirteen. I I had Dookie on my Walkman like everywhere I went and listened to it everywhere I went. So it's kind of interesting that you say that Green Day should were were mooted as being wanted to be on this. Nineties Green Day. Love the, Green Day. Uh, American Idiot onwards. They yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is not a music <laughs> podcast. No. <laughs> so, but uh, music's such a big part of this film. So we oh, absolutely yeah. do yeah. dip our toes in that. You know. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. So, if you're going to rate this film out of five, oh look, man, um, this was a lot of fun. I I'm going to come in at somewhere around. I, I think four out of five is fair. Um, it's look, we we we've said that it's very feels very stitched together and very hodgepodge um and um incongruent there's that word again but um it's but in saying all that and getting all that out of the way you can't deny it but ultimately it's fun 
it's a bit of a what the hell is this kind of movie, like what's going on here type thing. But looking past all that, it's it's just fun. It's just like it's just bombastic. It's it's fun. It's it's punk rock. It's um, independent grunge. It's in your face. It almost it's it's almost like Mad Max inspired too with the location and with the the, the vibe that it's going for. And I kind of keep in my mind. I keep going back to that. That song that uh, Tupac Shakur had, California Love, because it's like the film clip for it is shot in the desert and has that Mad Max kind of feel to it. And I kept going back to that in my mind when I was watching the film. But yeah, it's it's, it's a lot. Of, it's a hell of a lot of fun. So four out of five for me, and it just makes me actually want to pick up a Tank Girl comic and read it. Hopefully, at Supernova this weekend, I can find one. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a very nineties movie, isn't it? And you yeah. know. It's got a big following. It really does. And I like it for what it is. It's not mm. really my thing, if if I'm honest. There's things mm. that I like about it, but mm. beginning, middle, and end as a film, not really my thing. And I feel like I've probably watched it enough for a lifetime now. Maybe, I think, two, three, three times maybe. That's enough. Um, it's fine for what it is, and I do get why people liking it as such a cult following. Uh, but I'm going to come in a bit lower, just under a recommend, if I'm honest. I'm going to come in at a 2.5 out of 5. I do get it. I see why people like it. But for me personally, um, yeah, it's it's fine. But a 2.5 out of 5. Yeah, and I think dated is the word that I would use. Not necessarily in a bad context, but you can tell how dated it feels. But that was the 90s for you, you know? Yeah, but so was The Matrix. I mean, 99, yeah. to be fair, but anyway. That feels the... dated too. You're right. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think. I feel like Matrix is far removed, but then it's almost the noughties. But this mm. film, I agree, completely very, very dated. Hmm. Well, that's it for our episode all about Tank Girl. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs>